any given Monday. The weekend's over, the final sirens have sounded. We've got our winners and losers, our champs and our chumps. Any given Monday. So now it's time to look back and evaluate all the games, dramas and controversies from the best sport in the world. Any given Monday. So forget about those back-to-work blues and settle in for this week's edition of Any Given Monday. Please join your hosts, author and historian Dr Dan Eddy and local football expert Owen Carter as they're joined by special weekly guests for your most comprehensive wrap of the weekend's action. Let's get to it. Any Given Monday. Hello and good morning to another edition of Any Given Monday, brought to you by thepapernews.com.au, the, your one-stop shop for all things uh, local local news, and or not just local, it pretty much covers everything, and including up-to-date insights on the uh, the COVID nineteen situation and the and the running commentary with that. So make sure you're always checking at papernews.com.au for all your all your news and updates and including your link to this wonderful podcast between my, myself, Dr Dan Eddy, and the uh, expert of all things uh, footy in general, uh, Mr Owen Carter. How are you, mate? Very good, very good to be talking to you once again, Dr Dan. And yeah, just a, another bloke with an opinion I am. I, got, I did get called out on, on Twitter the other day. So did you? <laughs> just, said, just, just calm down, mate. Uh, I'm just another bloke with an opinion. It's all good. But uh, no, no, um, no new sex stories from Matty Dunn in the paper news this no, week? He's been a bit mellow this past week. He's sort of telling us there's no, there's no more... Um, positive tests of the COVID situation in South Gippsland. I thought that was a bit lowbrow compared to where he'd been the week before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he can up his game and I'm surprised he hasn't done a, a full uh, Western Bulldogs story judging by their uh, outstanding display against some pretty insipid uh, opponent which we won't discuss in the next uh, in the next half an hour but you know, he's got plenty to talk about. But how have you been mate? How's your week been? Yeah, not too bad mate. Um, obviously... Uh, for those that don't know me very well, I work in the retail sector. Been in retail management for a while, so it's uh, coming up with a few challenges now with the whole COVID stuff. Uh, mandatory masks to be worn as of uh, midnight on Wednesday, so uh, that should prove interesting. And having said that, we may not be open at all, depending on how these COVID cases go. But uh, we won't dwell too much on the old COVID stuff and get back to to footy. I think that's a, a bit more positive. There's a fair bit, a fair bits happened this week, hasn't it? Um, yeah. You know, uh, uh, Collingwood were all high and mighty up a second on the ladder, and then all of a sudden Brisbane won and dislodged them. So I wasn't too upset by that. <laughs> um, I was just having to think too. The ruck nomination rule. There wasn't a lot of talk of that at the start of the season, but this round has definitely turned that uh, the thought process on that around, hasn't it? The first game that that come in. Uh, you may, you may have heard a, a rather obscene swearing uh, <laughs> diatribe take place the first match um, from your home. You may have heard all the way to Langatha because I absolutely despised it from day one, and I <laughs> absolutely despise it. It is the most childish sporting rule. It is, it is literally an under tens rule that is being applied to the professional league where we're saying, who wants to jump for it? No, you can't because you didn't put your hand up. It is, without doubt, 
I don't I don't love the fifty rule when you're a millimetre inside the encroaching zone, but uh, the that Ruckman rule is the most embarrassing rule in world sport. Yeah, and um, I think we're going to go back to our our new new jerk reactions the way we uh, have been lately. So, oh. um, speaking of which, the knee jerk reactions, uh, the handball or the not the handball the. The holding the ball interpretation, that's eased up a bit. Uh, I think there was a few too many cranky people about that, and that looks like that's eased up a bit now. But isn't it, yeah, isn't it embarrassing again that um, we're, we're saying that that's changed in a week from how it had changed a week earlier? You know, like this is just unacceptable in a professional sport. Yeah, um, I, I've actually been chatting to a bloke from America who's just getting into his uh, footy now that, or seeing that there's no sport on in America at the moment. Mm. And uh, yeah, for a bloke that uh, would be watching this, we're going, well, this was interpreted this way this week and now it's being interpreted this way this week. That would be really, really confusing for someone that's new to the game. So uh, yeah, look, there's not much you and I can do about that um, unless unless a podcast takes off a bit further. (laughs) Well, well, judging by some of the the Twitter comments this week, I noticed that um, a few of the things we discussed were, were discussed... By, by big name people on on Twitter, your Terry Wallace's and that were calling out things that we were calling out last week. So this must be getting some airtime somewhere outside our parents' homes. Yeah, well, um, it, well it's definitely not being plagiarised from other people's thoughts. That's for sure. <laughs> but, no, no, uh, not, for, not at all. Not at uh, all. Fr- Thursday night, mate. We go back uh, Perth Stadium, uh, Geelong, and Collingwood. Very, very. Um, strange to see those two teams hosting a, a game in, in Perth but it was a low scoring dour affair, 8-9-57 the Pies to 5-5-35 the Cats, the Magpies home by 22 points and um, looked looked impressive, I know Jordan Ngoi, there's the argument whether he should be playing and yeah, I don't know what court I'm in there but he he was the star with five goals you know, in, a, in a game where there's hardly any goals kicked. To kick five was a pretty impressive display, but uh, thankfully for us non-Collingwood fans, he'll be out now for a number of weeks, which is fantastic <laughs> with, his, with his injury. But um, but all their big names stood up. Brody Grundy was fantastic. Trelaw just keeps getting 30-plus. Mm. Uh, Taylor Adams is probably the unsung one in that group who's outstanding most weeks. Chris Main was... First year he was there, he was a horrendous pickup, but he's actually become a really important part of their team. Um, and the list, Jack Crisp in defence was fantastic, and the list goes on. The Pies, unfortunately for us non Collingwood fans, the Pies are sure to be thereabouts as the season goes on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, pre season I'd even pick the Pies to finish pretty high up. Uh, I can't say too much about Chris Main. I, I used to work with his mum and I'm friends with her on Facebook, so I just got to keep my trap shut. Be on nice. That one. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think he was. That first year, I, I think a lot of people felt he. Um, yeah, there's questions about whether the recruitment and the high price they paid for him was worth oh, yeah, it. But absolutely. But after that first year, um, I know we had a chat with Bucks and he, he was nappy with his lack of game time, but Bucks was nappy with some of the things he was doing. But now I believe he's one of the first picked. He's that consistent. I mean, he had nine tackles on the weekend alone. So he's uh, he's holding up his end of the bargain and he's a good link man for the team as well. So I reckon it's it's starting to work out really well for the Pies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look at... 
did help the Pies cause that Joel Selwood uh, bowed out early, uh, a rare mm. soft tissue injury for him. Yeah. Um, well, the Pies were on really early. They were on really early. Uh, they looked dangerous. Uh, their pressure was up, and Geelong sort of didn't come to the party until after half time for mine. Um, Geelong looked like they were rushed into sort of silly disposals and, and that sort of thing. And the Pies were just a bit cleaner with their with the greasy ball. It was a bit wet and greasy when while they were playing. Um, just really felt that once Selwood went out, those other mids didn't really rise to the occasion, maybe with the exception of Dangerfield. Uh, Guthrie was one who racked up some disposals, but they weren't until after halftime as well. So um, Dangerfield sort of inserted his ga- inserted himself into the game in, in that second term. But, um, yeah, he was just playing a little bit of a lone hand for mine. Um, and Trelaw's influence... Um, Look, that was really hard to ignore. I know I've said in previous podcasts that he's a bit of an accumulator, but look, he he uh, did a lot in that game. And yeah, as you say, uh, third game with 30-plus disposals, very, very hard to ignore his game. Yeah, for sure. And I think Scott Pendlebury was um, a, a calm head and a, a really important leader throughout that game as well. And just some of the times he just sliced apart, the, the opposition was fantastic. I I'll put this to you, if Dangerfield wasn't in the Geelong team, would we even have them in that top eight discussion? I don't think they'll be as good as they have been. Um, when you look at the likes of, say, like a Guthrie, Men- Menegola usually plays probably some unsung parts in that midfield, but then again, he'll, like the game on Thursday, he'll have a, a relatively quiet game. So um, he, I wouldn't call him um, an A grader, but he is a very good player. Um, I was probably disappointed. disappointed rather, I'm really struggling to speak today. Um, <laughs> I, I'm really disappointed in Jack Stevens' game, like knowing oh, what yeah. he can do, especially at St Kilda, four-time best and fairest winner down there. And yeah. he, I just felt he had a really average game for the Cats. And if I was a Geelong supporter, I'd be wanting a bit more out of him. I, yeah, I questioned picking him up. I know he'd given his all at the Saints. He was fantastic for them, but just some off-field stuff. Just, I was just wondering where he's heading, and he doesn't. I mean, he he's clearly a million times fitter than me, but he doesn't look the ripped, fully committed um, body-wise footballer. Maybe that's just his shape, but I guess he's always looked a bit that size. But I, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't think they needed to get him, but. Obviously, Chris Scott found reckons there's some use for him, but and he, it's not that he's not through a lack of trying. He's out there having a crack, and he does try to take the game on, which a lot of teams uh, lack that at the moment. So, in a sense, that's a good thing. But I'm not sure he's the type to get them over the line for a premiership at this stage. But you're you're a, you're a diehard Saints man, so you, you'll love him for life for what he did uh, over a number of years for you guys. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, used to love watching him break the lines down on the St Kilda wings and through the mid, but he's he doesn't appear to be doing that at Geelong. And look, a fair play to Geelong. They didn't lose a lot to get him, and I I think that's uh, based on some of the points that you touched on just there. He doesn't seem to. Well, I wouldn't say not fully committed, but there would probably guys that would take their say their pre-seasons a lot more seriously than what Jack does and um, from all reports he's not a um, a guy that reads off the, the textbooks and the set plays and just wants to play his natural game so look um, if Geelong can get a bit more out of him for, uh, all the best to them but he 
he looks a little bit out of sorts at the moment. So, yeah. Um, and look, uh, Gary Ablett, I uh, wanted to touch on he's uh, not going to the next Geelong hub. So, obviously, he's got some some issues with the family there, and we wish him all the best as well. Yeah, it's yeah, it shows what's going on in this this crazy world. Um, it's a tough situation for him with his young child being so unwell. So uh, it's, it's a no-brainer, as you and I know, mate. If uh, the child's unwell, <laughs> everything else stops, and that's just not even thought of. So yeah, good on, uh, good luck to him, and hopefully it's uh, hopefully it's uh, it's not a ongoing illness for for no football sake, just purely for his child's sake. So fingers crossed there. Yeah. Um, I reckon there's a few bombers that might have wanted to go home the other day, <laughs> to be honest. Um, they Essen, will after that game. Yeah, Essendon Bulldogs, Friday night. Bulldogs, 14-9-93. Essendon, 7-9-51. It's a 42-point win. It felt like an 82-point win to the Dogs, to be honest. I went in... I was texting Jeff Blethen, actually, before, you know, and I just said this is this is a game where we get a chance to prove that we're thereabouts this year this is a game we just have to have to win and uh yeah anything but that happened and i've got uh many chumps this week if you want to put it that way but but i guess for the champs and maddie maddie dunn at the paper news will be happy to hear this but tim english is really emerging as a um as a as a leader as a, as a ruckman and a leader at his young yeah. age who's just not not daunted by any task put at him, and they were certainly singing his praises after the game. The commentators yep. and the media, and and rightfully so. He, he, I dare say, he had his best game. He was dominant against against us in the, all around the ground, which you know sometimes can be a bit of a uh, a knock against Ruckman is they don't do enough around the ground. But Tim is starting to really show that he might have that Max Gorn, Brody Grundy edge to him. So for the doggies, that's that's pretty exciting. And obviously Lockie Hunter coming back in was, was pretty good. Bontempelli just does what he wants to do. Caleb Daniel, I reckon, uh, is as cool as any defender in the game at the moment. And for someone so small, he's able to really stand tall down there and, and just control the back line, which is something some clubs would love to have and yeah I'm, I'm sure there was times throughout his junior career where people said you'll never make it because you because you're too small but he is just um oh he's a he'd be one of luke beverage's favorite players no doubt yeah um before i let you pick this apart the bombers <laughs> i was really disappointed um andrew mcgar had a crack devon smith had a crack um yeah not sure about zach merritt michael hurley was probably our best player or in our best um, Ridley again in defence really he, he had a he had a crack but when it's coming in as much as it is there's only so much he can do McKenna was brave to go out with a broken broken finger and, and yeah. was probably he, was, he wasn't too bad he wasn't too bad but uh, as we go down the list I mean uh, let's have a look Sean McKernan should be doing more Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody, I, I don't think he was there. I think someone threw his jumper out on the ground and just said, <laughs> you know, he, he's part of the lineup, but he was non-existent. Yeah. Uh, Mason Redman did nothing. Mitch Hibbard, I'm pretty sure he didn't play. He's on the list and he says there's a couple of stats there. I'm pretty sure he didn't turn up. Ned Kale, for, Kale first game, will let him off. Jacob Townsend, the big recruit from Richmond, was pathetic. Um, Orazio Fantasia, uh 
borderline not there. Uh, I'm not sure where his best position is, to be honest, but really disappointing with a lot of those guys. Uh, would having the guys out have made a difference? Uh, Dylan Shiel and, and the like, Dyson Heppel. Uh, yeah. Well, obviously it would have made a difference, but we wouldn't have won that game. The dogs were just more prepared to run and back themselves in, and they had more going for them up forward. We had nothing going for us up forward. You can tell I'm pretty disgusted because that was a, just a really embarrassing here-we-go-again type performance. Yeah, uh, very scathing from you. Um, yeah. Yeah, look, uh, doggies were up and about. Like you would have, You guys would have come in. Uh, going into that game with uh, the thought process that uh, doggies, uh, when they're not on, they don't look good at all. So, yep. And uh, you guys have strung a few wings together, so you would have ready to suffer a real chance. But the doggies were on that night. Um, and as you said, Tim, Tim English was everywhere. Uh, there was a stretch where he was the leading possession getter for the doggies uh, uh, across some of the games. So, yeah, he had a lot of the ball and did a lot of work. Um, Josh Bruce, touch on him again, uh, kicked a nice goal to start with. And we thought, oh, yeah, he might get another bag. But then he got the yips and started kicking it out in the full and and uh, a couple of behinds, I think. But, uh, look, it was end-to-end stuff early. Like yeah. There was a bit of slingshot footy and one team would kick a goal and then the Next time uh, around, the the next the other team will kick a goal, and it was going from end to end. It was quite entertaining stuff for that for the first part, um, but until the doggies took over, um, I, I felt the bombers really lacked a bit of leadership. Um, oh yes, to, to quote our mate um, Russell Bennett, he was on Twitter. We were having a bit of a chat, and uh, no shield, no Heppel. He did mention another one. I was trying to find it, but I, I couldn't find it. Um, um, Stringer or Danaher or. Yeah, possibly. Um, I really felt that uh, once the doggies midfield were getting on top, they needed someone to pull the rest of the mids along with them, and it just didn't end up happening. And it's a bit of an ask to say go through uh, Andy McGrath or or a parish to ask them to do that because they're still young. You'd want to look at someone like a Zaharakis or a, or a Merritt to try and get them going, but. As I say, and as you've said, they just didn't happen. There was a few undisciplined acts with the Bombers as well. Devin Smith gave yeah. away a few silly free kicks, even though he played a reasonably decent game. Um, yeah, and as you said, there was plenty of passengers on the Bombers' side, whereas uh, the Doggies had a reasonably even spread. Um, as you said, McDonald, Tip and Woody for the Bombers are uh, fairly non-existent and... A lot of people have said he's a bit of a barometer for the Bombers and, yeah, because, well, you can't really blame it on him for not turning it up. But, um, yeah, when he's playing well, they generally do when he, he had a bit of a Barry Crocker on the on the Friday night. Um, good to see uh, the debutante. Um, I'm having a bit of a mind blank now. <laughs> for the Bombers or...? Um, it was for... Oh, that's right, Cody Waitman. Sorry. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, he... Uh, Possibly one of the the best debut goals uh, going around at the moment. So it took a very nice mark and yeah. kick for goal. Um, and that would have enraged you a little bit further, I'm sure. Well, you had to sit back and applaud because it was it was kid dream stuff, wasn't it? The, it was. I'm going to get the ball in the pocket. I'm going to. Apparently, I didn't see it on the screen, but apparently he waved the waved the skipper off and said, "No, I'm going to take the shot." So <laughs> a bit of confidence in the kid, and it paid off. Indeed, credit to him. Um, bit of a useless. Fa- 
fact for that game. Um, we'll, we'll cap it off with that because I know you don't really want to talk about it anymore. And we've, uh, <laughs> we've spent a good fair while on it. Um, so at one point in the game, there was two forty fours, two number forty fours contesting. Contesting. I'm really struggling to talk today. Contesting for the ruck t- contest. Uh, Sean McKernan and Tim English, both number 44. Last time that happened was 1996. Daniel Bandy against Justin Madden. So, nice little, a nice little useless fact out there, and that's courtesy of Sir Swamp Thing on uh, Twitter. He's got some nice little uh, useless facts going around there. He is a freak, that bloke. The the stats he comes up with, but that um, you need to spend more time with your wife and kids. I think. <laughs> she would not disagree with you, I can tell you right now. Well, we'll speed this up. Uh, the next game was far more entertaining. I, I must admit, I um, I probably only um, switch off early from and game once every three or four years, and I did so on Friday night in the last quarter because it was embarrassing. But um, at least things were picked up a bit on the, on the Saturday when uh, the Giants and the Lions played, and it... Lions jumped out of the blocks and looked like they were going to um, just whitewash them. And then Giants got back into it and it was a really um, thrilling and intriguing game after that. And the Lions Lions got up 13-10-88 to 10-8-68. But at times it was a lot closer than that. And the Giants, yeah, if they had Toby Green in the lineup or... A couple of other things went their way. They might have got over the line, but that was um, that was worthy of a of a final at times. And I know they played an interesting final last year. And yeah, I thought it was a really entertaining game. Did you get to see that one? Yeah, I did get to see that one. It was quite entertaining. What did you think of the Brisbane Strip? Uh, I had a bit of uh, mixed feedback on, or heard a bit of mixed feedback on the Brisbane Strip. Yeah, I was going to touch on away strips a little bit later, but what I thought on that one was. Well, I hate any white version of any jumper. I just, I just think it makes the team look less imposing, and particularly yep. when it's white jumper and white shorts. If they at least had the dark shorts, you'd get. I reckon it'd work. But um, yeah, I didn't mind the design. To be honest, I didn't mind it. It's just that there's too much white going on with the, so it just doesn't look imposing at all. Yep. I don't feel. Yeah, no, that's all right. I didn't really have too many strong feelings about it. I just thought it was a little bit interesting with the uh, the white Guernsey and the and the maroon V with the the lion emblem. So now that I didn't, I've seen a lot worse. Um, yes, cough, cough, poor power. But um, and uh, yeah. some of the Hawthorne ones are pretty yep. shocking as well. But um, yeah, as you said, the, the, it was a really entertaining game to watch. And while it was close at times. Um, I felt Brisbane just kept them at arm's length for most of that game. And just when GWS were getting their own game going, Brisbane would just pop up and kick a goal and just keep them at that arm's length. Uh, they're both playing attacking game styles, which was really good to watch. Um, GWS, uh, I think in that second half, can probably thank uh, Whitfield for when he started to creep into the game and had a bit of an influence off half-back and setting them up. But you know, it was probably a little bit too little too late. Um, and another little nice stat for you. Uh, Brisbane is one of two teams that haven't kept any team goalless in a quarter this year, the other one being my mob St Kilda. Wow, okay. Well, Essendon do their best to give a team 10 goals in a quarter, <laughs> so uh, that's interesting. But I, there's lots to like about Brisbane. I, I reckon... Harris Andrews uh, returned to form as well. Yeah, he's fantastic. And yeah. He was, and, and I think Barry, Barry's been sensational. Um, his first name escapes me at the moment, but Jared Barry. And, yeah, there's two um, of them there, but I think the one with the long hair is Jared. 
the playmaker. He was. Yeah. Um, he's. Um, He's in terrific form, as is McCluggage and a few mm, of those he guys. He was hot early, just, McCluggage. Yeah, and when Lockie Neal is, I mean, he's had a few, t- he's had 20 disposals, but I, I didn't really notice him that much. And mm. um, But there's four or five blokes. Rayner was since, just, again, he wouldn't have had many touches, Rayner, but the touches he had were Lee Matthews-esque. He just, he just yep. did stuff with them where he just went, wow, uh, big hanger and uh, goal and a few other things. And he just... They've just got so much. Then you throw in Mitch Robinson and you, you throw in... There's so many different things going on in that team and it's really fascinating. The one who I reckon lets lets them down is Eric Hipwood. I reckon there's he had, mm. he had a few moments, but his first half was, you know, non-existent. And then yeah. he was pretty good in the... He did a few good things in the second half, presented a bit better. But gee whiz, for a bloke of his size and talent, really, his versatility, and he should be doing a lot. He should be Jeremy Cameron like, but he's not even in the same conversation as Jeremy. But yeah, he's he's lucky because he's got a pretty awesome team around him who are destined, I would think, for a top four ish finish. Yeah, and no, I think um, the advantage Hipwood has is he's probably taking the first or second best defender from the opposing team. So even I think yeah. the fact that Brisbane are playing well at the moment and winning. Um, uh, just disguises the fact that Hipwood doesn't need to play well at the moment in order yeah. for him to keep his spot. So you never know, he might we might be not privy to a certain game plan that he's perhaps the decoy to take the first or second best defender out of that contest, but you wouldn't want to with that talent. But yeah, he's definitely out of form. I, I know we talked about him last week and possibly even the week before. So, um, But no, Brisbane looking the goods and uh, as I said, at the start of the podcast, second on the ladder, just uh, just nudged Collingwood down to third. So uh, definitely not upset about that. <laughs> no, no. Uh, we won't spend much time on this, but Sydney and the Gold Coast, um, the Gold Coast were too good in the end, but Sydney had a had a crack and played a bit more interesting game than, than previous weeks. And the Suns got up 13 14, 92 to 9 6 60, 32 point winners. And uh, yeah, there's a as we've said, we spoke about Isaac Rankin last week, did a few mm. good things again this week, which shows his class, but still just learning the, the AFL game as such. Um, so still a long way to go for him, but some yep. really interesting signs. But the Suns, yeah, the Suns as a team, they really, really, I mean, King didn't have much of an influence up forward and they were still able to kick 92 points. So And they were pretty inaccurate, so they probably could have won by more in the end. Um, yeah, I think things are looking good. I don't think they're going to challenge for a, a top four, top six spot this year, the Suns. But if they can somehow sneak into the the top eight, that's obviously their best finish yet. So it's a pretty positive yep. sign going forward. And Sydney, just positive to see them actually taking the game on a bit more and just having a bit more of a crack this week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I made mention um, on Twitter as I was watching the game that it was good to see Sydney finally having a crack. They've been looking very flat in the last couple of weeks and um, obviously Josh Kennedy out. But they uh, had a bit more of an output from Luke Parker, so he had 27 touches. So he's been sort of out of sorts of late. Um, they had a, a little bit more coming from the back line, so Harry Cunningham had a bit more of an influence for the Swans, and I'll tell you what, if Tom Papley was not in that forward line, they, they would be right down at the <laughs> bottom. They would not be looking any good. Um, yeah, he's pretty sure he's leading the Coleman, which is um, yeah. a bit unheard of for a small forward, but... Uh, yeah. 
I'm sure you could pull uh, a few small forwards out from the the 70s or 80s that might have been up there, but. Uh, Lee Matthews. Yeah, look, yeah, yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Um, yeah, but the Suns, they were just um, nice and crisp and clean and moved the ball quickly. They look quite good. Um, and Isaac Rankin, um, he's going to have some money thrown at him either from the Suns or from someone else to drag him away from the Suns. Yeah, I think he's from South Australia, isn't he? So you, Yeah, I think so. Um, dare say they'll have a crack at some point. Um the, just one interesting thing about the Suns. I know someone who who's heavily involved with the Suns off off the field, and, and he's, he's well, he's a cousin of mine, but he lives in Melbourne, and two young, two very young kids, and and wife, and you know he's based down here, and he he got the call this week. He said, uh, I think he basically had twenty four hours to. Pack up where he was living. He was sort of in between houses, so he was yep. the rent was going to be running out soon anyway. And the, the sons called him and said, uh, "We need you up here, so pack up." Um, and this this is that goes to show what the AFL are paying to have all these clubs play interstate. Um, yeah, he basically had twenty four hours to pack up. The sons flew, or the sons slash the AFL flew him, his wife, and their two young kids up to. Queensland to the hub within you know 24 hours they they could only take one bag each um, and the rest has been packed in a car which the AFL slash the Suns are sending to the house in the southeastern suburbs to of Melbourne to put the car in the truck sometime this week I think and that's getting driven up safely up to uh Queensland, so they were able to fill the car with more stuff that they need, um, yep. and that'll get up there. And that he's he's been told he has to be up there for at least the next three months. So they've been put up for their quarantine period. They're getting put up at say the Mantra or something on the Gold Coast, and um, all this this is just one family uh, that's just had to do the the quick move up, and that's. Yep. All being covered by the by the league, uh, so times that by what eight hundred or, or more, probably more yep. when you think of all the staff, and then yep. they add their wives, and we're talking. I know there was a figure thrown around of like four million a week that the AFL's paying, but it's probably yeah, it could be more than that. All these little extras and everything, it's it is staggering. It shows how much money they're making off the broadcast rights that they can yep. do this and still make a bit of a profit on it, but it's. Mm. That's yeah. Uh, that sort of just showed me how much effort is going into trying to keep this season going, which is just staggering. Um, and it's it's hard to fathom the the money that's being spent just to get us some games to watch while we're in quarantine. It's quite remarkable. Yeah, look, yeah, uh, it's uh, we don't see a lot that goes behind the scenes, do we? And look, uh, everyone's pretty quick to pot Gil McLaughlin, but credit to him for getting the season up. That's for sure. Yes, it's yeah. <laughs> there wouldn't be there wouldn't be much sleep or rest time on the couch for anyone involved. It, it's same with that. Uh, is it Travis Ald, the um, mm. list, the the match organising man who has to keep juggling the schedule every every week and it, yeah, uh, the, the logistics around that must must be hell. But um, yeah, credit to them for doing what they're doing because it's. Yeah, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Um, the next game was uh, was on the Gold Coast. Actually, it was Richmond eleven eleven seventy seven over North Melbourne two eleven twenty three. Now, mm. 
Uh, at least I didn't come out of the weekend thinking my team was the worst team in the comp. <laughs> that was... Um, and I've got a soft spot for North. I've written a history on the club and um, got to know some of their past players. And Yeah, I've got a soft spot for North. But that was just a really disheartening performance. A couple of guys stood up, but really, I mean... Jeez, I mean, you're a better dissector of games than me, but just just briefly, guys like Mason Wood. I mean, he's yeah. he could he could be the AFL's most irrelevant player. Um, oh, big call. Well, he if I've sat with North people, diehard North people, and they just don't know what he is. They don't know what he's about. Yeah, they don't know what he brings to the team. He brings nothing. He, almost every week, he brings nothing, and I'm sure he's. Great to watch on the training track, but where are we? Um, ben Brown, sort of sad watching him run around because it's just not working for him at the moment. Yeah, and doesn't help when the team can't do much. Jasper Pittard was a big, big signing, a big recruit money-wise mm. from Port Adelaide. Some of his disposals were horrendous. Yeah, so uh, just shocking foot skills and decision making for someone. It's given such an important, you know, the weight that's sort of placed on him being a big. Inter- Interstate recruit, real letdown, I thought. And the list goes on and on. I just mm. I was just staggered by North Richmond are just warming up and, you know, look out for them, I think, as the season goes on. But North Melbourne must be just scratching their heads saying, what what can we do? Yeah, I probably got more out of um, North out of this game than I did Richmond. Look, Richmond just did what they were going to do, I think, even with some of their big-name outs, uh, North really look like their confidence is at an all-time low. And, you know, from a St Kilda supporter's perspective, why couldn't it be at an all-time low at, uh, in round one? Because we got pipped in the post by, <laughs> by North, then we would have had a better record. But I won't go back to St Kilda. Um, yeah, look, uh, as I say, North, um, I, I will touch on the uh, second gamer for Richmond, so attempting his name, Derek Egmolesi Smith, 23 disposals at 83% efficiency. So, uh, nice game from him for a second gamer. Um, I'm pretty sure that he was rated uh, the best on ground, um, which is a a nice little achievement for him so early in his career. But, uh, yeah, some of the stuff I – I didn't really see a lot of this game, but some of the stuff I got out of this, like obviously Zebel injured. um, Zerhar was out late as well. Um, So, Zebel's body's not right, clearly. That's – I'm pretty sure that's the second time he's been injured throughout a game and been taken out. Um, so, Zerhart, sorry, yeah, sorry, you go. Mate. And, and it's the second time in two weeks that North have brought in, they did it with Ben Cunnington last mm. week. They've brought in, you know, obviously a, a heart and soul player, but clearly well underdone. Um, yeah. And that's that's got to be a question as well. Yeah, well that, that's probably a confidence thing again, isn't it? Just uh, bringing in underdone players because there's yeah. potentially no trust or uh True. in the in the uh bottom tier players so uh yeah uh, brad scott's got some issues there but uh um no it's not brad anymore oh sorry uh, um reese uh, that's right yeah i'm living in the past don't he, I? he got out just in time i think brad <laughs> uh, got out the wrong year in the delorean um <laughs> so, uh ben uh warrigal boy ben mckay came in uh he was the replacement for the laid out uh which was zerhar and i don't think he had a crash hot game so um when we touch on the carlton game harry will be ringing up his brother again and telling him how many goals he kicked uh that uh as he touched on ben 
Ben Brown. Um, apparently, he had one of the biggest distances travelled for the game, and obviously, just not getting any reward for his efforts. So that's that's no good. Uh, pretty nasty collision in that game. So Kyron Hayden, who was a young oh, fellow yeah. from North, he got cleaned up pretty badly. So we all hope he's okay. Yeah. Big big hanger for Josh Walker. That's about one of the few things that North had to hang their hat on for that game. Uh, and <laughs> I reckon North, yeah, it might be mark of the year at the moment. It's a yeah, it could very well be. And we've had uh, some pretty good contenders this yep. year so far, haven't we? Uh, and North's two goals, 11-23, is the lowest score at Carrara ever. And that was a source from Daniel Cherney. And there were some pretty ordinary Brisbane teams in the early 90s that played up there. <laughs> yeah, so that to, was also to, pointed out as well. So. <laughs> Wowee, to have that record when the bad news bears were horrendous. Um, yep. When Carrara was in its heyday. <laughs> Two is nah, it just goes from bad to worse for North. And well, that's the question then, isn't it? Same with Essendon. What's the depth like? And, yep. and what is your on-field leadership like? And uh, they're the questions Reece Shaw will be scratching. Well, he hasn't got any hair to pull out, but he'll be no. scratching his head because um, I know some North fans that were pretty dejected after that performance. I don't know what you can really say about it, but... If uh, if anyone watched the footy today, or Sunday, sorry, if anyone watched the footy uh, Sunday at one o'clock, um, up at the Gabba of all places, Carlton and Port Adelaide, they got an absolute thriller. I don't know if you saw it, mate. I know you've got a fair bit of work on on Sundays, but it was one of, if not the game of the year to date. It was fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm shattered. I, I missed this. Uh, sadly, uh, full-time work came into play on the Sunday. So for those who are unaware, we do record this on the Sunday night. So I was all, all at work all day on Sunday. So I missed most of this. So I'd let you take the lead on this. What were your thoughts on it? Oh, just really enthused about it. it was, uh, Port Adelaide got up 9-10-64 to 9-7-61 with a kick after the siren. If you haven't had a chance to see it, make sure you... Google or YouTube or whatever you look at um, the, the 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 final goal by um, Robbie, Robbie Gray. Robbie Gray because he's done it, it was, again. Yeah, I reckon that must be two or three times he's done it after a siren, at least twice, maybe three, and and mm. and even just late in game winning goals. He's as good as it gets in that situation. Look, Port Adelaide. Uh, they jumped, they jumped the Blues, and then the Blues hit back hard, and then it was really game on, and it was thrilling to watch. And for periods there towards the end, you really thought the Blues were going to get up. They were just doing everything right, but then Port Adelaide lifted again late in the late in the. Um, they just had more happening late in the final quarter, and they peppered the inside fifties, peppered the goals, and then they they missed three absolute certainty goals and you thought well excuse me you thought well there's their chance gone you know the seconds are ticking away they've missed three that certain goals so they're down by a couple of points and and then somehow the ball ends up in Robbie Gray's hand with seconds remaining and uh Siren goes in almost the Dom Sheed pocket from his grand yep. final days in yep. that that sort of angle and right footer so harder again and he went back. He'd, he'd been one of the ones that had missed a, a simple goal a few minutes earlier and goes back and steadies and cool as you like, just <laughs> slots it through and breaks a few Carlton hearts, which uh, I shouldn't feel too bad because they broke mine <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. But um, you, you just come away from that game thinking uh, if you're a Blues fan, you're pretty pretty happy. And of all the performers on the day, 
the performance of Sam Walsh was that I reckon that was his best game. He, he would have had higher stat games, but yep. his influence. He, he was Patrick Cripps like in the sense that he just said, "Follow me, boys." He really. He's someone that Essendon didn't have and North Melbourne didn't have. They just said, get yep. on my back and I'm going to take you all the way to the win. And if you get a chance to see his mark, um, it was Jonathan Brown, Nick Rewald-esque in the, in the courage that he showed to go back in front of Charlie Dixon, who I would think would be the most intimidating bloke in the league at the moment, Big Charlie. And he went back in front of him like a rampaging Tony Lockett coming at you and <laughs> took the gutsiest mark and... Just summed up his day. He was fantastic. So lots to like from both sides. Port found a way to get it done, which a good top side does. But, yeah, Sam Walsh and the Blues uh, didn't lose any fans today. That's for sure. And Harry Mackay, who you mentioned, was really influential in in parts, Was just took the game on. He was, yeah, one of those guys that you thought is going to get Carlton over the line. But they just couldn't get that last control of the ball to steady the game down. Yeah, and the top teams, they'll find a way to win, won't they? There yeah. um, Could have been a bit of a sliding doors moment for either of those sides had Carlton won. Um, Carlton would have found themselves at 4-4, uh, four and four, I think, had they won, mm. and they would have been in the mix for the top eight. And look, they still are, but it just makes it a little bit harder now. Whereas, had a Port lost that, they would have been their second loss in three weeks, and some questions might have been asked. But yeah, um, as I say, uh, the top teams, they just will and find a will to win and you know apparently uh port had 10 of the last 11 inside 50s in that last quarter um and they just dominated uncontested possessions so from someone that didn't watch it you can there's a couple of sort of telling stats that would have indicated why they got over the line there um eddie betts a bit of a stat i'm full of stats today um Three, uh, the third player in VFL AFL history to kick 300 goals at two clubs, the other two being Lockett and Buddy. <laughs> it's not a bad, it's not a bad uh, uh, club to be in, is it? Uh, Absolutely. He, he'd get lost in the general conversation in terms of those two would overshadow yeah. him, but um, for feats, for a small forward to have done that, pretty amazing, I reckon. So, and he's, yeah. you know, he's had it, he's done it tough with. Stuff happening off the field, which just keeps happening to him, which is horrendous. But somehow he's able to keep coming up and just doing what he does and entertaining us no end. And uh, one bit of play he had today was just vintage. Uh, the footwork and the vision and the goal off one step, it was outstanding. And on the other end of that, you've got a real letdown up forward. If there was one disappointment for the Blues today, I reckon it was Levi Caswell who... Yeah has some stinkers, has more stinkers than good games, but it seemed to be getting a little bit better over the last few weeks, but he missed a shot from set shot 10, oh, he would have been 11 metres out when he kicked it, directly in front, uh, it was in the second quarter, I think, but he hit the post from there, I mean, that was his, that was about the only in- impact he had on the game, and that was as bad a shot at goal, perf- absolutely perfect conditions up there at, in Brisbane, and he did that, it was... Again, I use the word embarrassing. That was for a professionally paid player of his size and stature to be dishing up that. Uh, you'd be fuming if you're David Teague. Yeah, next um, 
next meeting they have in regards to his contract uh, and he's asking for three years again, which I think <laughs> is what he wanted uh, last time. Uh, yeah. Dare say they'll be showing him that clipping gun. This is why we're not giving you three years, mate. <laughs> and, then, and then they'll just point at Harry McCoy and say, this is the other reason you're not getting it because <laughs> Harry's the man. Yep. Charlie Kerno is still to come back. So they're good on the Blues. They had a real crack in Port Adelaide. Thereabouts uh, on top of the ladder looking pretty good. But yes. um, could have could have dropped that one. Uh, it was a lot better game than the next game, unless mm. you're a Melbourne supporter. But the D's fourteen seven ninety one touched up the Hawks seven six forty eight in pretty convincing fashion. The Hawks um, again they've probably saved Essen from copping much of the heat this week in the media because I dare say the the media seems to be in a phase where they're trying to get rid of Clarko, which is interesting in itself, mm. but um, I I reckon the Hawks are going to cop it the most this week because they, yes, the fall from grace isn't pretty, and when you look at some, they had some fairly senior age players in that team, and uh, so there's no excuse to not be as physical and as, you know, able to control the game in parts, but they just, they just lacked dare, they lacked much going on up forward um, they lacked well it's a bit hard to defend when it's coming in so often and so yeah. so well I mean Christian Petrarca had another outstanding game Max yeah. Gorn if if it wasn't umpires voting on the Brownlow Max would have three votes for that but we know mm. that it'll go to a midfielder so probably Petrarca or Oliver but um, yeah I just thought the D's and with Sam Wiedemann in the team just just gives them a bit more uh, it's a bit more of a dynamic forward line. There's a bit more going on yeah. in terms of different shapes and sizes. But Melbourne, yeah, well, they were fan- they were fantastic. That's the Melbourne we expect to see every week, given the the talent on their list. It's just that we haven't seen it for a couple of years. But that might be a game that just wakens them up. But for the Hawks, gee whiz, I mean, Chad Wingard's one of my favourite players when he's on song. But he he was a bit tip and woody like. He was not even out there he was yeah. almost non-existent you know and um yeah and the list goes on there's a few guys that were very very disappointing for the Hawks so it's going to be interesting how it didn't help that Tim O'Brien went down early which is a big big yep. player and handy but I I probably questioned Ben Stratton as a captain I did when they signed him actually but yeah um yeah he just doesn't have on-field presence or leadership about him he might be good in the dressing room but um, I don't see him as a... Yeah, there's other blokes that should be captain ahead of him, I would have thought. But, yeah, the Hawks, there'll be some hard questions this week. And yep. I know I, <laughs> you've only got to look at the, the the social media feeds during and after the game to know that the Hawks' army are pretty disappointed with what they've just seen. Yeah, well, they're used to success, aren't they? So um, <laughs> it's, it's a bit jarring for the, the Hawks faithful to see them sort of down and out at the moment, and especially with some of the blokes on their list. Like you look at Mitchell and O'Meara and uh, the coming of age of Warpole. You've got Shields, Isaac Smith running through the middle, Tom Scully. Uh, and as you touch on, Chad Wingard, he did kick a couple of goals, but obviously not that influential. Yeah, no. Um, and, uh, yeah, look... Um, Looks like Melbourne's finally starting to click. Look, the D's fans haven't had much to cheer about, but what's yeah. that two in a row now? So, yeah, and it just seems to be. I like Harley Bennell again. Didn't have a lot of impact, but just the stuff he did was a class above. As was Young Pickett. Um, 
Josiah Pickett, who is the nephew of Byron Pickett, I believe. Uh, mm. Gee, some of his footwork and just his class with the ball. If they can get it in his hands a lot more and you can get it in Bennell's hands enough and obviously you've got Jeddah and a few of those really quality ball users, uh, there's some good signs for the Ds, but it all got started by Big Maxi Gorn. He was sensational. Yeah, we'll just have to look at his numbers. 22 disposals, uh, 8 marks, 6 of them intercepts and 6 of them contested and 14 hit-outs to advantage. That's, um, we, we're used to seeing big, tall Ruckman get uh, a lot of hit-outs, but the hit-outs to advantage is probably a bit more important, and that's quite a big number in terms of uh, the ratio of hit-outs to hit-outs to advantage. So, as you say, uh, if it was the public voting, probably three votes for him, but, yeah, as I say, uh, Petrarca's probably going to get the three for that. Yeah, yeah, and he was fantastic, uh, Petrarca, as well. One promising one for Hawks was... Um, Young Day, who I yep. think it's Will Day, maybe. Um, yeah. The, the grandson of Robert Day, who played in the Hawks' 71 Premiership, um, South Australian. And, uh, he yeah, he, he he gives you something to look forward to for the future. And so uh, he's he's sort of the one highlight. James Warple's last year's best and fairest winner, and he was, yeah, hardly sighted and hasn't had a great year. So, yeah, some guys that certainly aren't playing to their potential. Yeah. Now, yeah. Um, but how good was it? Again, I, I'm not sure if you were able to get off work early enough to see it, but how good was the Frio West Coast? Uh, I think there might have been 30,000 people there, the biggest crowd in Australia this hey. uh, since 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 uh, the virus since took COVID, off. Yeah. So pretty amazing scenes to see that, and what better game to get them back into it than Frio West Coast in a derby, which the Eagles went on to become the first of the two teams to win 10 derbies in a row. So uh, they've got a bit of a dominance over the Dockers at the moment. They won 9-8-62 to 5-2-32 in what looked like pretty perfect conditions. Uh, shows where scoring's at at the moment, but it was entertaining in parts. Yeah. Uh, and the Eagles, just their class and their experience was too good in the end. Yeah, you can you can see the scoring worm on the AFL website and... It's pretty even towards half time, and then all of a sudden the Eagles start to run away with it. I, I was sort of in and out of this game. I I caught the start and then dropped out of uh, dropped out of watching in the middle, and then caught it at the at the back end. So yeah, uh, from what I've seen, um, Frio did threaten late, so they had a chance to peg back what was probably a, a lead that would have got West Coast over the line anyway. But um, there was a couple of important moments in that in that last um, quarter where Frio had a chance to slot a few goals. I think one was Rory Lobb and uh, it was immediately followed by Matt Taberner and Rory Lobb one probably should have been slotted through and he just hooked it to the left and Matt Taberner, um, well, probably a bit harder just because due to the fact he was a bit further out, but had they have got those, um, Frio had a big run on at that time and who knows what would have happened after that. But... Um, yeah, I noticed there was a... I think West Coast had a bit of an intent coming into this game to make sure they got on top early. At the start of the game, Matt Taberner again had a, a pretty easy shot and it was reminiscent of... Um, I hate to bring this up, but reminiscent of Nick Rewald kicking for goal <laughs> in the grand final and Heath Shaw Smothers, and I yeah. absolutely hate that. But, um, yeah. yeah, Tommy Cole coming in and just... Uh, 
getting in Matty Tabner's way and that probably set a trend, I think, for the rest of the game. Tim Kelly starting to click with that West Coast midfield too. He's had another good game with West Coast. and um, Victorians probably won't pay too much heed to a bloke called Brad Shepherd who runs off half-back for the Eagles. He's very important to their setup, and he's had another good game as well. He's actually strung a couple of good games together and is having quite a good season. Yeah, you're right about Tim Kelly. I, I just get the feeling, and we'll go, we'll check out the ladder shortly. But I get the feeling the Eagles are just now that they're back home, uh, they've probably faced the worst part of their season. They're just getting into the next gear, and Tim Kelly is suddenly starting to feel comfortable in this West Coast setup, and just starting to show us a bit of what he showed us at Geelong and with the home crowd behind him now in WA and you know you might be about to take off Tim Kelly which is exciting um, signs for West Coast just one quick one the Fremantle Michael Frederick uh, number 43 for the Dockers made his debut (laughs) of all games in a a derby which must have been intimidating but he didn't look intimidated he was ice cool at times and he was one bloke who was prepared to take it on and didn't care wasn't intimidated by the Eagles and uh, some good signs. He's got good size about him, and some of his decision making was pretty good. And he just seemed composed in what would have been a pretty intimidating cauldron. So, well done to him for standing up in such a big game for your first game. Yeah, he kicked a nice goal too, from what I saw. Um, apparently, he's got a brother on. I think he's on Port's list. Um, not hundred okay. percent sure. I'm stand to be corrected on that, but that was made mention of. I uh, want to say good to see Sean Darcy back up and running after he got. Um, Got his uh, head belted into by Ben Long's hip. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so uh, good to see that he's back. Uh, obviously, we have a few concussion issues in the AFL with the likes of Paddy McCartan and um, uh, going a bit further back, Liam Picken. And those guys have had horrible, horrible issues with their concussions. But good to see the big man back. Obviously, he didn't have the best of games, but um, I think Nick Nat um, had his measure today. But. Yeah, um, look, Freo are thereabouts. They've got a bit of confidence from the last couple of wins. They just went up to the task on, on Sunday. No, and they missed Nat Fife, which didn't help. But Michael Walters, oh, he probably had to carry a bit too much for load, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, with Nat in the team, and if they'd have taken their chances, it may have been a more interesting finish. But Eagles, um, with their forward line in, in uh, John Kent, Josh, Josh Kennedy's 250th game, were just... Bit too good. Um, yep. One thing I did like was West Coast's, uh, I guess, so-called clash jumper. You mentioned the the Brisbane jumper before. I, mm. I give a big tick to the West Coast uh, clash jumper and also Gold Coast's a uh, couple of days earlier, the more light blue than anything. And uh, just the white on any team just does not look imposing at all when it's predominantly white with the white shorts. I just think it really looks... I don't know. It just looks weak in comparison to the you know the traditional jumpers which the Giants I think were in all white in the grand final weren't they so yeah um, I just think there's something about the image of it I, I, I just it doesn't excite me uh, and yep. so to see some inventive clash jumpers like that West Coast one today I thought was pretty good and as I said Gold Coast and yeah if Brisbane if they had have had the dark shorts then that jumper might have worked as well um, and I We'll touch on there's one game still to go in the round which will be played tonight, Monday night, uh, at Adelaide Oval, which oh, you've got some stats for us here, but um, I dare say the Saints will be in the all-white, which won't be a good look. Um, no. You no, know, it just doesn't work. So 
hopefully, uh, even if they could just pop some more black or some more red, just do something different anyway, just away from just the white because it doesn't look great. Um, but as I said, there's one game left to play in the round, Monday nighter, Adelaide and St Kilda. At Adelaide Oval, the Crows yet to win a game, but the Saints don't do that well at Adelaide. Is that true, my Saints man? <laughs> it is unfortunately very, very true. Uh, we, <laughs> we were talking off air uh, before this, and uh, yeah, look, the Saints haven't beaten Adelaide since round 18, 2011. They, haven't, beat, they haven't beaten Adelaide in Adelaide since uh, round two, 2009. So, um, as I said last week, uh, look out for Adelaide to get their first four points because uh, St Kilda have not beaten them in a while. And that's, look, 2011's, yeah, just the, 2011's the the back end of St Kilda's heyday when they were playing grand finals and, like, 2009 was right in the midst of it. So, yeah, they don't travel to Adelaide pretty well um Jeez. well that's fairly obvious and i don't think st kilda play port adelaide very well over there either i haven't looked at the stats to see anything on that to be honest but i, I don't think it makes for good reading for a st kilda supporter either um he <laughs> t- sounds nervous <laughs> listeners doesn't he, he sounds very oh. nervous I'm always pessimistic, mate. But <laughs> <laughs> no, there, was, there, was, there was something uh, St Kilda supporter tweeted out saying, "Can we ever be comfortable when we're in the lead?" So, yeah, okay. I, oh, all you have to do is touch back to that game they played against Hawthorne years ago when they were up by how much was it, sixty, seventy odd points, and they still lost that. So, yeah, it was in the fifties, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, look. Um, there's reason for our lack of self-confidence in regards to that. But just want to touch on uh, St Kilda's got a debutant, Ryan Burns. He was uh, picked up in the 2019 draft at pick 52. It was one of the very few picks that St Kilda used in the draft this year, or last year rather. Um, 180 centimetres, 81 kilos. is a speedy midfielder uh, from the Sandringham Dragons, which he was the captain of. And uh, Paddy Ryder comes into that game for John O'Marsh, and obviously Ben Long is out with the suspension for three weeks. Uh, Taylor Walker comes back in, and Paul Seedsman and Rory Sloan is out injured. So uh, not good for that uh, engine room for the there. Well, the one positive for the Crows who haven't had a win this year is they are back home and they're playing against a team they have a good record against. And then next week they are home to my team, the Bombers. So uh, again, another another winnable game all of a sudden. So you know it's not all doom and gloom yet for the Crows. They might be they might they might be feeling okay going into these next couple of games. So yeah, Saints don't might just play them back into form for your Bombers in two yeah, weeks. Thanks. Time. Thanks. <laughs> uh, with with one ga- game to go in the round, Port Adelaide are a game clear on top, twenty four points. Um, they play the Saints next week, actually. Um, Brisbane a second, clear second on twenty points, and they'll play Melbourne next week. Collingwood a third on eighteen points, and Richmond a fourth on eighteen points. The Pies have got the Eagles next week, and Richmond have got the Giants in a grand final rematch. Uh, fifth is Geelong, 16 points. The Suns are 6th on 16 points. Um, the Eagles are 7th on 16. The Dogs are 8th on 16. Essendon are 9th on 16. So there's a bit of a bottleneck there. Essendon's still with the game in hand, thankfully. But, uh, yes, it's around this time now when the bottom teams really start to drop away and the top teams start to make their move and make a bit of separation. So for those teams around that, middle rung, there's pretty important games coming up um, 
Geelong play Frio this week. The Suns play the Dogs. West Coast Collingwood, as I said. Um, Essendon Crows. Yeah, so there's a few few really important clashes coming up. And then at 10th, the Saints really need to get a win this week. They've got a decent percentage. They're sitting on 12 points a game behind that bunch. So they need to get over the line against the Crows. Carlton are 11th on 12 points. Melbourne are 12th on 12 points, but playing better now. So they're on the rise. The Giants are on 12 points as well in 13th. The Hawks are on 12 in 14th. And then there's a bit of drop away. Frio's on 8 points in 15th. Swans are 8 points in 16th. North are 8 points in 17th. And the Crows are on the bottom without a win to their name. Uh, The other two games coming up, Hawks play the Swans and North Melbourne play Carlton. So, yeah, interesting times, important game coming up for your Saints, mate. Yeah, well, that uh, a win could potentially uh, shoot us up to six spots. So, um, yeah, important. Uh, um, it'll probably tell us or we'll, we'll tell everyone where St Kilda's at at the moment so Bradley Hill lucky to survive the chop I think um, yeah. and he needs to have a good game in order for him A to keep his spot in the side and B for St Kilda to win I think True and just the form teams in the comp the Eagles have won their last three Richmond have won their last three Port have had a couple of wins Melbourne have had a couple of wins so the form line's just turning for a few of those Excuse me, important clubs. Um, the Giants, on the other hand, have had a couple of losses. Uh, so, yes, some interesting times ahead. But it's, we're at that really interesting start of the season where things are starting to play out for for all teams. And um, mm. I, I, I do like this 17-round season. It's just, I reckon it's going to keep the interest a lot longer than a 22-rounder. I know that AFL almost never give it up because of the money they can make. But, yeah. You know, the, for the intrigue side of things, I mean, keeps us a lot more interested. I mean, if you're already starting to drop off now and there's 22 rounds, I mean, it's a long year. Yeah, absolutely. And you'll have those uh, people now coming in going, oh, we need that wild card round now. We've got a shortened season. Rah, rah, yeah. rah. I'm not sure yeah. if we necessarily need that. We're, we're always looking to Americanise things for some reason. And I don't think it's really necessary. Look, at it, it gives it a little bit of extra, extra element, but I don't think it's required, to be honest. Uh, my my thing that I would add would be the teams that don't make the finals uh, in that when they normally have that weekend off between the last round and the finals, I'd I'd have those bottom eight teams pick an all star game between them or something like that where you mm. can just get an extra game of you know sell a few more tickets for the league they make a bit more money but we get to see the stars again in a in an extra game in that weekend when there's nothing happening you know just something like that would be good to. Mix it up a bit, but uh, yeah, who knows what's going to happen with uh, going forward with footy and schedules and things like that. We don't know, but I, I do love this seventeen rounder. Um, that's probably our AFL stuff, isn't it? But you've got a fair yeah. bit. You know, you've got a fair bit. A bit been happening locally as well in terms of the Gippsland region, footy wise. Um, enlighten us, big O, on everything you've got uh, over the last week in terms of what's happening locally. Yeah, you're right. There's lots happening. Um, And reiterate for anyone new to the podcast, all our local stuff is Gippsland-based because the podcast is based in Gippsland. We've got results, under-18s and under-16s results. So Gippsland League, uh, their season has kicked off. So Saturday, under-18s, we had Trailgun defeat Bairnsdale by 96. Druin defeated Moey by 40. 
Sale defeated Mafra by 117. Uh, don't believe Mafra scored in that game. Uh, Morwell defeated Lee and Gatha by 11, and Wonthaggy defeated Warrigal by 98. So there's a few blowouts there, um, but we'll let the season play out a bit longer as to, to see what the form line looks like. Under 16s, Trailgun defeated Bairnsdale by 28. Mafra defeated Sale by 64. Lee and Gatha uh, defeated Daryl Cooling's Morwell by 55. For those that are unaware of who Daryl Cooling is, he, he's the caller on the TRFM Game of the Week, which he would normally be doing this year, but. Uh, not doing that job due to no seniors, so uh, he's coaching the Morwell under-16s. G'day to Scud if you're listening. Uh, Warrigal defeated Wonthaggy by 105 and Druin defeated Moe by 32. So good to have a bit of a uh, few results now. Um, there's a couple of uh, junior competitions which I don't have the results for. It just take a bit too long to sort of rattle them off because we'll be going through 10s, 12s and 14s on a, on a handful yeah, yeah. of those leagues. So um, check your local websites for those results. But, but great, but great that there's just something happening, isn't it, it is. in terms of a bit of local action? It is indeed, and good for the kids too. It's good to get the kids out and about and Definitely. kicking the footy around, um, especially in some of the regions of Gippsland that are really struggling for juniors and can't afford to lose them to A, other sports or B, um, other pursuits. So uh, good to see there. Now, uh, we did make mention of Mid-Gippy and Alberton having an under-18s competition. That has since been cancelled. So Mid-Gippsland Football League came out and said that they were cancelling that season. A bit of controversy, I guess, around that sort of decision. Um, um, I have heard that the clubs voted in favour of playing, but the league um, overturned that for, to my uh, knowledge and, and said, look, we're not really willing to go ahead with the season just due to the risk of the spike in COVID cases. Um, their affiliate league, Central Gippsland Junior Football League, also cancelled their season, so there's a lot of um, mid-Gippy junior teams playing in that. So, uh, yeah, look, they... Um, they were keen to go ahead, uh, the teams, but it looks like that the league weren't really willing to take the risks. So, look, fair play. Um, I, I'm not embedded in those leagues enough to, to sort of make a, a call on whether that was right or wrong. Um, but, yeah, we just need to be careful in this in this day and age that we live in and full of uh, coronavirus and other related things. Um, Matt Dunn picked up on an article for the paper news in regards to a post by Yalorn Yalorn North. So these are the only guys I know that have come out with this info. So um, Yalorn Yalorn North have alluded that uh, at a meeting where they decided to cancel the season, um, they've also decided to vote on uh, whether to let in the senior side or the, the sides from Alberton join uh, mid-Gippsland. Uh, originally they were only going to let in three, but they voted on letting in all six. So I believe that got passed at a motion. So um, I'm pretty that- sure you North um, abstained from that vote because they didn't have uh, enough time to sort of consult with their their members and their and the clubs. So. Um, but Matt Dunn's got a uh, an article on that on the uh, paper news. You wanted to add a bit more to that. Are you saying they didn't vote, but the other teams did? Is that what? Um, look, at, there is um, that's the way it sort of alludes. I think so. Um, if you if you want to check it out yourself, your lawn, your lawn North's Facebook page has got it up. Um, and as I say, Matt Dunn wrote an article on it on on the papernews.com.au, So you're more than welcome to yep. check that out. Um, 
a bit of other controversy as well. So I did mention we got results in the Gippsland League under 18s and 16s. So uh, they had to restructure the fixture. Um, there was a, a bit of social media come out and say that Mafra had uh, quotation marks refused to come out to Western South to play and um, wanted the uh, the fixture to be restructured to reflect that. Uh, the word is that Mafra did not refuse, so that's come from the Gippsland League Ops Manager, Nick Fogarty. Uh, they didn't refuse, they just uh, requested that they could stay east for the moment while there was spiking cases uh, neighbouring the western south. So, it shows uh, how quickly things can be re rehash to suit a certain narrative doesn't it when it, yeah, uh, it does yeah yeah when so taken in context yeah look I, I noticed um some a few people from the afro footy club took a bit of umbrage to the the comment that they refused so look that that got cleared up in a couple of articles throughout the week um you can jump on gippsland footy's facebook page and those articles are shared and uh available for anyone to view um so yeah uh the fixture got restructured and Mafra, I believe, are staying out their side for at least the th- first three or four games there. So we'll watch that with a bit of interest. Um, re-signings uh, announced by Trelgan, Trelgan Ties United, Morales, Coralin, Kawa and Warrigal Industrials. So there's not a, a heap of other clubs uh, doing re-signing announcements. Um, there was actually... A, someone made mention of how people are re-signing or making new signings of players when they don't know the salary caps. So, um, look, most majority of them are re-signings, but there are a few new signings that some clubs are announcing, so we'll watch those with interest as well. Um, South City looking for a new coach in the North Gippsland Footy League. So uh, the previous coach, Jacob Schubach, who some may know uh, was drafted to Adelaide back in 2001, had a very illustrious seven-game career down at Adelaide until he did a shoulder and I don't think recovered from that for AFL standards. And he's had a very, very good career down at South City. Jacob Schubach, he's one of their favourite sons down there. Um, so he's stepping down for the year. They're looking for a new coach. Uh, Kawa also staying in North Gippie. They've uh, re-signed their coach Jeremy Jones. Uh, East Gippsland Football League. Boysdale Bragalong have re-signed their coach Josh Stubb, who took them into finals last year. So uh, actually, a grand final. Now that I think about it. Uh, and Dalston in the West Gippsland Football Competition has parted ways with Mark Laverty, um, who's who's been a, a pretty big figure at that club and. Um, yeah, it's a shame that they've obviously uh, come to an amicable split, but yeah, they've now parted away, so it looks like Dalston are looking for a new coach. Um, there was one more thing I wanted to touch on before we go away, a nice little video. Um, so obviously we're not having, we're well, not really having any footy apart from a couple of junior competitions running down here. Um, there was a, a video uh, taken in the AFL Sapphire Coast, so that's our friends north of the border of Malakuta there, so they all play in Eden and Marimbula. Uh, and up that way uh, they played their first ever Friday night game up there and a few roos invaded the, the ground <laughs> while they were playing so um, we, we also I also shared that to the Gippsland Footy Facebook page so you're more than welcome to check that out or uh, the original source which was the AFL Sapphire Coast Facebook page you can check that out there um, 
what was the other one? I did have something else, but I think that's it, mate. Um, that's that's pretty much a wrap for everything local. Oh, there was one other thing. Um, I'll give a shout-out to Tony Neal. He's a former Latrobe Valley man. He now lives in Adelaide. Um, so there's some local footy going over in Adelaide. Um, the Adelaide Footy League, as it's known, I think it's got about five divisions or something. They're live-streaming their games on YouTube, and he's... Uh, Doing a bit of commentary over there, so people that know Tony, uh, flick over to that on Saturday when you know, when you're not watching an AFL game, and he's uh, calling the games over there. Well, geez, uh, did you want any more? No, talking about being <laughs> across everything, I, we, I don't think we get anyone who's more across what's going on than the big O. Just covering everything. Uh, as footy you, related, it's outstanding. As you say, mate, I, might, so. I might need to spend more time with my wife and children. <laughs> I reckon you will, but um, we don't want to lose you either. So if you can work out some arrangement, that'd be good because uh, f- terrific work by you. And obviously, check out uh, Gippsland Footy's website if you need to um, follow up with anything that uh, Owen Carter's just filled you in on. But um, as a across the board, that's a pretty good wrap, mate. Well done. No worries at all. Well, that's pretty impressive uh, coverage by us. I reckon we've <laughs> I reckon we've got across most uh, most issues in the game. Um, yeah, we've still got one game to go. So, and I get the feeling in the next week or two, there's going to be games every every day for a certain period, just to make up ground for mm. what we might lose. So, uh, we're going to have lots to talk about on a daily basis. So, we are. It's going to be very be interesting to see what that looks like. Um. For sure. The podcast might be any given day the way we're going <laughs> because uh, footy is just going to be 24-7. So that's a good thing, particularly for everyone who's in lockdown and trying to stay safe. And hope you've got your mask on at work tomorrow, Owen. And, uh, yeah, top stuff today, mate. Uh, same to you, mate. Uh, happy to be here and good to be talking to you again. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And normally we'd sign off with a bit of Go Bombers, but there's no way in hell I'm saying that this week. So uh, with one game to be played on Monday night, I'll let you uh, sign off. Go Saints. Any given Monday.